1: Broadcasting from the Cruise Radio studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey,
2: I'm Matt Bassford. And I'm Doug Parker. If you haven't done it yet, check out our cruise news at cruiseradio.net.
0: On this show, we're going to do something we haven't done in a good while. Take your listener calls, emails, tweets, and Facebook messages, and give them to the experts to answer. Travel writer Chris Owen will stop by, as well as Dan Skilkin from TripInsurance.com. But first, as always... Stuart, you're on the Cruise Guy. Hello, Stuart.
1: Hey, Matt. Hey, Doug. Hey, man. Last
0: month, it was reported that the Princess Cruises ship Star Princess blew right past a fishing boat with some stranded fishermen from Panama. Now, Princess is saying they didn't see the boat, but there's plenty of photos and YouTube videos from passengers that clearly show otherwise. What are you hearing, Stuart? Well,
1: from what I understand, there's actually two situations going on here that has been, one, miss. Misreported and miscommunicated. Um, What essentially happened, and you know, the first responses that we heard from Princess was that uh, the 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 fishermen were actually waving to them, thanking them for avoiding their nets. Now, essentially, what had happened Uh two days prior uh, to the the unfortunate incident was that uh, the ship was approaching an area where there were a bunch of fishermen. And they had communicated with the ship to please go around to not interfere with the nets that they had out. Um, what happened? You know, essentially two days later, um, when the you know the one passenger uh, contacted someone from the onboard sales department, um, evidently there may have been some confusion because Princess is claiming that the captain or none of the, the bridge officers were um, notified of the. <laughs> the, the, the that 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 incident at that, that moment where they were trying, you know, where they they were able to see a pass uh, another boat in distress.
2: Do you really believe that?
1: Well, I mean, it's, it's certainly understandable, but I mean, there's no <laughs>
2: okay. The, the,
1: the woman has, the, the woman who reported the story. Doug did not have. Uh, she didn't really contact anyone. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah. I mean, you know, you're dealing with a cruise line guys that. I mean there's no reason for them not to stop. I mean they they look in, in 10 years they've stopped 30 times right. to to assist um, wow. you know boaters in distress huh. whether they were you know Cuban refugees or or whatever. So I have no reason to believe that I mean I mean first of all they're required by international maritime law to do it. Yeah, sure. But there's no reason they're not going to. I mean they're they're you know these are humanitarian vessels. They're not military vessels. Right. Well, so, I, mean, but I, I believe, you know, it's, it's very, you know, we don't know. There's obviously investigations going on, but, I mean, we've got to put, you know, our, our best foots forward and believe that, of course, they would have stopped.
2: Yeah, so this is far from over, I'm sure. Clea, Cruise Line International Association, implemented three new safety policies this week for cruise ships. What were they?
1: Well, uh, it's very interesting. It's voyage planning, bridge access, and life jackets. Hmm. And um, it's very, um, I guess, unknown at this point what this really means um, by, you know, and now what ha- has to happen is that the the passage plan, you know, the, the course of uh, the, that the ship is going to take has to be thoroughly briefed with all the bridge team members in advance of its implementation. So this way everyone's aware of what's going on the direction of the ship. The second thing has to do with limiting bridge access to minimize disruptions, distractions, and access uh, during uh, operational times, you know, in, you know, when they're maneuvering the ship. And they're like, hmm, and I'm like scratching my head. I thought they were already doing this. Yeah. Uh, and then they, they're they going to have um, a requirement to have additional life jackets on board uh, for their passengers, which we already know. So it kind of sounds like the the all all three of these uh, things were already being done, so really, what's the change here? But um, you know, if if they feel it's it's necessary, good good for them.
0: Yeah. it was reported last week that Costa Concordia is being refloated by a U.S. company, Titan Salvage. How long will this process take?
1: Well, it's going to take um, a year, and uh, it was actually um, uh, Titan Salvage. Uh, in addition to a uh, an Italian company, so it's going to be a joint uh, effort between uh, the, you know uh, Titan Salvage and McCoppery. Um but it's going to take about 12 months for them to refloat the ship in one piece uh, and uh, and get the ship removed.
2: Celebrity Cruises announced this week that they'll air the Summer Olympics from London um, live. Is this really that big of a deal for a cruise line?
1: I think it's, uh, it may have been a slow news week, Doug. That's what I thought, too. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, you know, we know that all the lines as we get closer to certain sporting events could be the World Series, the NBA Finals, uh, the Olympics in this case, um, the Oscars. You know, you have certain cruise lines that want you to know well in advance that you're not going to miss a moment. So at this point, you know, they, they announced that they will be airing the Olympics, mm-hmm. uh, that they secured uh, the broadcast rights to air the Olympics on their ships. And I'm sure a lot of the other cruise lines uh, will uh, do the same.
0: Royal Caribbean had their first quarter earnings call last week, and like Carnival, they're taking a little hit too, right?
1: Well, yeah, and I, I think that they may have um, stressed a little too much on Costa Concordia. It didn't really—it's it, really not impacting um, that much. I mean, there are, are bigger issues that would have been occurring um, without the Concordia, but it's—it's it's a, it's a, certainly it sounds good. But uh, the, the larger issue for the, the impacts on earnings right now for both public companies has a lot more to do with uh, higher, much higher fuel costs this time than same time last year which uh, has taken uh, quite a bite as well as currency exchanges um, the economy in Europe uh, right now specifically in Italy Greece uh, and especially Spain has taken a much has taken a significant impact. Um, out of future bookings that uh, again all of this would have been occurring with you know with or without Costa Concordia but um, uh, it, it it is unfortunate but the the good news is that the ships are sailing full and especially you know the the European the bookings bookings within Europe are the ones that are, are taking uh, you know a, a greater toll and uh, so the cruise lines are having to be much more aggressive back to the US market to entice more bookings uh uh, because typically they're expecting almost 60 to 65 percent internationally sourced passengers on their European uh, sailings, and it might also be a signal that you know there may be too much tonnage out in Europe during the summer. That uh, maybe for 2013, maybe they want to reconsider their deployments. And, and we just kind of reduce it because there's a great deal of demand here in the Caribbean and not enough ships during the summer.
0: All right. Thanks, Stuart. Can you hang with us? Because we've got some listener questions for you after the break.
1: Fantastic. This is Cruise Radio. For
0: over 42 years, Park West Gallery has introduced over 1.3 million people to fine art. Here's what actual customers are saying.
3: I've been collecting with Park
2: West five, six years now.
0: tripinsurance.com. Each week, we give you Porthole Cruise Magazine's Pick of the Week. If you're cruising from or returning to Fort Lauderdale this weekend, you'll probably notice the city is hosting the Lauderdale Air Show, which is being held Saturday and Sunday, April 28th and 29th, from noon to 4, right over the ocean on Fort Lauderdale Beach.
2: Headlined by the U.S. Air Force Thunderbirds, this inaugural air show will showcase the country's premier military and civilian acts, including a B-1 bomber, the United States Air Force Thunderbirds, U.S. Navy SEALs Leapfrogs, and the Coast Guard Save and Rescue demo.
0: For details, go to LauderdaleAirShow.com. All right, Stuart, first question from Bill in Arkansas. What's the difference between a passport and a passport card?
1: The passport is what is strongly recommended, especially when you're traveling um, be really beyond the borders. Uh, if you're going to, within certain co- you know, countries, the passport card... Is not as as flexible. It's not as widely accepted within some of these countries. You definitely want it. Like if you're going to get one or the other, uh, definitely just just go for the full passport. It'll afford you uh, all of the rights and uh, and, and the most convenience.
2: All right, Stuart Diane in Oklahoma City says, "Can I sail out of Miami, get off in Bahamas, and fly home? And will the cruise fare still be the same if I do that?"
1: The answer is yes, you can. Um, you will not get any credit for your the unused cruise. You know the amount of days that you have left. You know, if you've got three or four days left on your cruise, you will not be compensated for those days, and you will absolutely have to bring your passport. You will not be able to use a birth certificate or you know uh, you know in order to get back uh, as if you uh, you know began and ended in Miami because now you are traveling internationally and then you're going to have to have the passport in order to re-enter uh, the United States.
0: Lastly, Laura in Carson City, Nevada, ask, what is the policy on bringing wine on board the ship? Are you allowed, and do they charge some type of corkage fee?
1: The answer is most cruise lines do allow you to bring your own wine, but they will, um, for, your, you know, for your convenience, uh, take it from you and hold it for you, uh, and there will be a corkage fee. But a lot of passengers, actually, who enjoy different kinds of wines will bring uh, some you know, a few bottles of their own, stash with them uh, on board the ships
2: how much is a corkage fee?
1: It could be fifteen twenty dollars maybe a bottle mm-hmm. you know of course it's it's for your convenience so this way they'll bring it back to you if it's white, it'll be chilled and uh, you know red they'll they'll keep it at room temperature and uh, of course they'll uh, massage and and wax and keep the the bottles nice and clean and glossy for you mm. so it's, it's another good customer service uh, that the, that they do for their passengers.
0: All right, Stuart, as always, thank you so much for your
1: expertise. It is a pleasure, gentlemen. You're listening to Cruise Radio, the fastest-growing cruise talk radio show in the nation.
0: All right, we always love having travel writer Chris Owen with us. Hi, Chris.
1: Hi, Matt. Hi, Doug. How How are you doing tonight?
0: All right, Chris, our first question is from listener Beverly Rinda on Facebook. She writes, if my husband cannot stay disconnected at sea, what's the best advice you can offer him for his cell phone and Internet connection?
4: Good question. It's a good question to ask before you go on the cruise, too, because you don't want to end up with some bad surprises afterwards. First steps, call your cell phone provider, the person that takes care of your cell phone service. That's where your cell phone bill is going to come from eventually, however you do it. Find out what their specific rules are. Ask them just directly. Say, I'm going on the whatever the name of the ship is. I'm going on the Carnival Fantasy and i want to use my cell phone how much is it going to cost me and they'll tell you exactly what you what you what you what it's going to be and be sure to have them document that they talk to you so if something goes wrong later you can refer back to that because they're not going to remember that you called um, and then the next thing on cell phones is there's two issues: the phone and the phone, and then the internet. The internet um, you can use mostly. Most phones you can use connected to the internet, like you would um, if you were at the internet cafe and just pay for it by the minute. The big advantage to using the phone, if it takes mail or even a laptop that has that you can do email on, is you can hop on, download your email, hop off. Uh, answer it and then hop back on and, and um, send it and use very little internet time that way. Best bet, though, um, on uh, mail on the ship is to go to a website called Mail2Web. It's M-A-I-L, number two, and then web.com. And it'll take you can get email from anywhere, and that'll bring it all up right in front of you.
2: Our next question is from Yvonne. We're trying to plan a three- to four-night cruise. Now, what is the best time of year to go, and would you choose Western Caribbean or Bahamas, Chris?
4: Good question. Um, I'm, take, I'm going to take it that it's probably one of their first cruises, but it's a three- or four-night cruise, it's going to be out of Florida or a warm-weather destination. So, I mean, a warm, warm-weather port uh, where you leave from. And uh, so, as far as the weather goes, uh, pretty much any time of the year. Mm-hmm. Price-wise, um, you're better off to go in the fall or early spring, but not spring break, or for that matter, any time school's out, is going to be a more expensive time. There's a there's a big difference though between uh, the three or four days. Uh, three days, you're definitely coming to Florida. They're, say hello to Florida because that's where they run from. Right. Uh, Norwegian, Royal Caribbean, and uh, Carnival have those. The four nights, though, have a lot more diversity. You could go to some other home ports uh, besides Florida home ports, like Galveston, or the uh, historic uh, city of Charleston, South Carolina, or the home of Cruise Radio there in Jacksonville. There you go. Go for four. Is it four or five? Four and five nights, or four nights for uh, fascination?
2: Uh, we do four and five here.
4: Yeah, four and five. And the Fascination does uh, used to do a really neat itinerary out of Miami that kind of gives you a little bit of the best of the both worlds. Both, <laughs> the best of both worlds is the uh, one that goes to uh, Key West and Cozumel. And that's a a great little itinerary, and uh, it it turns around pretty fast, and uh, it's a a good one to go on.
2: It pretty much just depends on where you really want to go. I mean, if you want to go to the Bahamas, you want to do the three- or four-night Bahamas, and then the the four-night Western will go where, like to Cozumel?
4: The four-night Western will go to Cozumel, and the five-night Western, like, uh, say, Carnival Paradise out of uh, Tampa, does the five-night Western that goes to Grand Cayman and Cozumel. Okay. Which is different, also. So yeah, that's a good thing. Those are those are all good good choices. Lots of good choices for short cruises. Not sure, not so sure how that's going to go next year after they pull out Monarch of the Seas, but yeah, uh, leaving the fleet, and we don't know what's going to come and take its place, if anything.
0: All right, this next one is an email from Morgan Ellison in Rhode Island. She writes, "My husband and I are going on an anniversary cruise in Europe this summer. Will we need a power converter?"
4: If you're going directly to the ship, probably not. If you're going to do a pre or post post cruise hotel stay. Or are sailing on some small river cruise line? Um, yes, it would be a good idea to get one. The thing about it is, they're not—they don't cost much. Um, uh, when last year when we were in Venice, uh, the hotel said they had them, so I didn't pack one. And uh, they did not. I, <laughs> yeah,
2: you know, I remember so, that.
4: <laughs> yeah, I spent a couple of hours walking around Venice with this note saying, "Sell this guy." I think it said that. Sell this guy a power converter. So they were all laughing at me. So it might have been a joke. Um, <laughs> but anyway, but it's and, and it's an easy fix too. Uh, target. Uh, dot com. I just looked at has uh, the one that I got. It's called the Atlona Universal Power Con- Converter uh, for most of Europe, uh, and it's five bucks. It's 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 not a big it's not a big item there.
2: But normally, the ships, you won't need one, correct? No, uh uh-uh, uh. Okay.
4: Won't. Now, you know, uh, that, that Viking River Cruiser on had both. It had, had both the uh, 110 and the 220 outlets. So that was a brand new ship, too.
2: All right, Chris, our next question is from Bob Lasik. He's going on a Viking River Cruise from Amsterdam. And what kind of attire should he pack on a river cruise? He wants to know.
4: Nicer. If you're comparing river cruise to uh, if you've only been on um, uh, ocean cruises and this is your first river cruise, I think nicer is a is a good word to say. Not dressy. Bring your tuxedo, although you could like you could on a on a on a ocean cruise, but um, I think for just walking around during the day, uh, it's a nicer it's it's a nicer kind of clothing that you would want to wear. For one reason, um, there are no pools, whirlpools, playgrounds, golf courses, and things where you would. Naturally, wear uh, more casual clothes mm-hmm. on a river cruise ship. It, 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 it's not it. If you're wearing shorts, it's because you went out and you felt like it, or, or if you weren't wearing long pants, it's because you felt like it. it uh, maybe a light dinner jacket, a light jacket when you're going out off, off the ship. If you're not comfortable trusting the weather in an unknown uh, destination. Uh, also, uh, one of the most important things when leaving the ship on a river cruise, backpack with lots of water and snacks. Mm-hmm. Um, just to, you know, like those kind bars and, or, or things like that, uh, just because you, you don't know where you're going to be when and where things are going to be to you can buy them and that sort of thing. So, Did you already mention comfortable walking shoes? I didn't, but that, you know, that's, that's got to be big on the list. Um, comfortable walking shoes very important, um, especially for the sightseeing excursions because you'll be... You'll be walking a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, for dinner, it's uh, evening casual um, is, is pretty much the name of the game. Um, if you want to be sure to have all the bases covered, bring along a outfit, one outfit, that is uh, what you would wear to a nice uh, business meeting or a church service, and you'll be good.
2: And what would you wear in an Amsterdam coffee shop?
4: (laughs) Jeans and a t-shirt. Okay, good. From 1972.
2: All right, man. Chris Owen. As
0: always, thank you, Chris. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. Happy to have President and CEO of TripInsurance.com with us, Dan Skilkin. Welcome back to Cruise Radio. Thank you. All right, Dan, we really appreciate you uh, being with us. We haven't done this in a good while, but have a listener question for you. She's on the line. Michelle from Dallas, go ahead with your question.
4: I
3: was browsing travel insurance policies for an upcoming cruise, and I noticed a lot of pre-existing conditions, wording in fine print. What exactly is that? Hi, Michelle. Thank you for calling. That's a great question because pre-existing conditions are among the most confusing terms in a policy. But let's eliminate a lot of the mystery here to make sure that you will have the medical coverage you need. When you purchase travel insurance with health coverage, it may not cover everything if you have a pre-existing medical condition exclusion in your travel insurance policy. You probably already know this, but exclusions are language in the policy that specifically eliminate coverage for certain risks. So insurance typically only covers you for unknown risk at the time you buy the insurance. If you know that a risk already exists that could affect your ability to travel, then you might not be covered for this risk. Pre-existing medical conditions are medical problems that you or your travel companions have that are present before you travel. So if your travel insurance policy includes a pre-existing conditions waiver, then the insurance company will cover your medical treatment even if the problem existed before you bought the policy. So let me give you an example of how a pre-existing condition waiver can improve your trip insurance coverage. Let's say you're diabetic and you've been having trouble balancing your insulin and you've been treated by your doctor for this condition in the 90 days before you bought your travel insurance. If you don't have a pre-existing condition waiver in your trip insurance policy, then you're not covered for medical problems on your trip having to do with your diabetes. This includes any medical treatment or even medical emergency evacuation because this problem would be considered a pre-existing condition.
0: And Dan, let me interrupt here for a minute. Do you always need this pre-existing condition waiver?
3: Matt, let's say you've got you're, you're diagnosed with a heart condition or a diabetic and you're on prescribed medication But your doctor has not had to change your medication in the last 90 days, and the condition is under control. The ailment is probably not considered a pre-existing condition because your medical condition and treatment is considered stable. So if, God forbid, you suffer a heart attack or have an insulin attack while traveling, it may be covered because this is a new and dramatic change in your health condition. The determination of whether or not a medical condition is going to be covered has a lot to do with your doctor's reports and whether your medical records show that you've been treated for the condition in the 90 days prior to buying your travel insurance. The insurance company is going to try to figure out whether you knew about the medical problem when you bought the insurance. If you buy within the 14 days of your initial deposit, and have a pre-existing condition waiver, then the claims process becomes much easier because it eliminates this debate as to whether or not the medical condition was a problem when you bought the insurance. Having the pre-existing condition waiver will save a lot of time processing your claim because the insurance company is not going to have to request a copy of your prior medical records to investigate. Okay. Two of the good plans and all of the better and best plans on tripinsurance.com have a pre-existing condition waiver. So if you ever need help or have any questions, feel free to give us a call anytime, day or night, and we can help you find the right policy for you.
0: He is the president and CEO of tripinsurance.com, Dan Skilkin. As always, thank you so much.
3: Thank you. My pleasure. And uh, Michelle, uh, have a safe trip.
0: All right. That's going to do it. Thanks again to travel writer Chris Owen. You can find him at chriscruises.net and also president and CEO of tripinsurance.com, Dan Skilkin. Don't forget, we now have a cruise radio app. Pretty darn good if we say so ourselves. You can go to iTunes or your Droid Market and search Cruise Radio.
2: And as always, if you don't have a smartphone, you can sign up for our daily cruise news alerts at cruiseradio.net. Just put your email in the box. From the Cruise Radio studios in Jacksonville, Florida,
0: I'm Matt Basford. And I'm Doug Parker. And this is Cruise Radio. Thanks for listening to Cruise Radio. For information on how your company can reach over 100,000 travel enthusiasts a week, email sales at cruiseradio.net. Find Cruise Radio on iTunes, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Just search Cruise Radio.